0: Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for September 28th, 2020. My name is Scott and I'm paid by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. Adafruit is a company based out of New York that does open source hardware and software. Uh, They fund a lot of open source projects such as CircuitPython, so please support them by going to adafruit.com and purchasing some sort of hardware that uh, suits your fancy and gets your Creative juices flowing. CircuitPython Python is a an embedded version of Python meant to make it easy for folks to learn how to program and program things that impact their their real world through microcontrollers, which are tiny little computers. Um, uh oh, Hackster reporting on what I said in my stream the last week. Uh, okay, so. This is our weekly meeting. It happens Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, everybody's welcome to attend. Uh, it's a community meeting for CircuitPython. It gives us a chance to get together and t- kind of o- get a broad overview of everything uh, happening in the, the wide world of CircuitPython. Uh, if you want to join the meeting, it happens at uh, 11 a.m. 2 p.m. Pacific, or 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, on the Adafruit Discord server, which everybody's welcome to join by going to adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we do record the meeting, so if you're in the voice channel, be aware of that. Uh, we, If you speak up, we will record it. Um, if you do want to be able to speak, you must be in the CircuitPython Easter role, so if you're just new and need that added, just ping us, we're happy to add you. Uh, it just prevents random people for jumping in and ruining the meeting. Um, the meeting is uh done in five parts the first part we have is community news which is kind of like uh, a preview of the newsletter that happens on tuesday along with a uh kind of overview of the cool circuit python-y things that we've seen uh, around the internet Uh, so we'll go over some of those things and then after that we'll talk the state of CircuitPython libraries in blinka which is like an objective statistics view of the health of the project meant to kind of Ground us in some stats that we think are uh, valuable. After that, we have the first of two uh, sections that we do as a round-robin. So I will start, and we'll go through the folks in the voice channel. uh, Intermingling any folks that have left notes in the note stock but were unable to make the meeting. Um, So uh, if you're in the voice channel but only listening or just have text that I should read off, Uh, Please make a note in the notes doc that says you're lurking and I'll skip over you. Um, Hog reports, the first section that's done as a round robin, is meant to be a few minutes of uh, thank yous to folks for the work that they've been doing uh, within the wide world. Uh, It it doesn't have to have to do with CircuitPython. We just want to hear about cool things that people are doing and give some credit where credit is due. Uh, After that, we'll do another round robin for status updates, which is a chance for folks to... uh, give us a couple minutes of what they've been working on and, and what they plan on working on in the coming week. It's a great way for us to just be aware of everything that's going on and potentially give tips or tricks to people uh, about those topics. Uh, lastly, we have a section called In the Weeds, which is uh, a chance for us to talk about uh, anything that is, has come up in the in the week or people have questions for. Um, it's very broad. It's at the end because it c- can be quite long and quite technical. Um, so if you have topics for that, uh, drop those in the note doc before we get there uh, so that we don't have to sit around and wait for topics as we uh, once we're in that section fully. Um, so with that, um, I do take notes or we take notes along with the meeting and I'll take time codes so that uh, this meeting tends to go about an hour to an hour and a half. So if you uh, don't want to watch the whole meeting, you can look in the notes doc and get time codes of the things that you want to listen to and skip around. Uh, So with that, let me jump into community news. Um, First and foremost, uh, again, this is an overview of some things that we've seen uh, taken from the newsletter. So first and foremost, uh, it's getting close to Halloween. We're just a, a month out. Uh, so now's the time to make some projects to display one seasonal spookiness, and what a perfect way to do so uh, using all the spectacular items. Uh, Microdev, please mute. Um, yes. From Neopixels, El wires, spooky eyes with monster mask, and Halloween, and much, much more. There you go. Thank you. Um, there's some new, a list of new and favorite projects that uh, folks are posting in the. Uh, Discord chat as well so you can see some of those previews, Uh, there's a Halloween countdown matrix display matrix, there's matrix portal creature eyes, there's the monster mask, the Halloween M4, and there's the circuit playground or Halloween jack-o'-lantern, along with holiday icicle lights with flare with red effects. Uh, You can browse dozens of Halloween themed projects free from Adafruit by going to the Adafruit Learn system. Uh, Next up... Uh, in our kind of tour of the CircuitPython internet stuff, is a CircuitPython-based music and sound visualizer built using the Adafruit clue board. The onboard microphone captures the ambient sound, and the clue provides a visual representation of the frequencies it detects on the color display. The Microlab library, similar to NumPy, provides the FastFoyer transform function, which takes the sound data and provides the frequencies to display. Uh, it's written in Japanese and English, and there's links in the notes. Next up, uh, Hacktoberfest, it starts this week uh, on October 1st. Uh, Hacktoberfest is a celebration of open source software created by DigitalOcean. It's open to everyone around the globe. Whether you're a developer, student learning to code, event host, or company of any size, you can help drive growth of open source and make positive contributions to an ever-growing community. All backgrounds and skill levels are encouraged to complete the challenge. You win a t-shirt or plant a tree. Pull requests can be made in any GitHub-hosted repositories or projects. You can sign up anytime between October 1st and October 31st. Uh, check out the link there for more Hacktoberfest information. Uh, we tend to mark all of our uh, good first issues as Hacktoberfest as well, um, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, I think it's four pull requests to to qualify for a T-shirt, which I am selfishly uh, interested in, <laughs> uh, rather than planting a tree. You know, bad for me. Um, okay, next up, the Pi Ladies inaugural Global Council has been created. Uh, Pi Ladies announced the results for the inaugural Pi Ladies Global Council. The Global Council has nine seats, including six seats selected by public election with a two year service commitment, and three seats selected by application with a one year service commitment. Additionally, the Council has a diversity and inclusion requirement that sets the maximum of three seats to be filled by members from the same country of residence. Um, check out the link there uh, for all the folks that just got elected to the Global Council. Uh, second to last up, we have an Adafruit update. Um, Adafruit is sh- shipping orders. Uh, it is Adafruit's done a great job. the folks in New York have done a great job getting us stocked and are shipping super quick. Uh, so now is the best time to get orders in for your favorite products, including items for students. If they're working from home, this is a great time to get something to play around with at home. Um, Science is fun and educational when using Adafruit parts and free, easy-to-follow tutorials on the Adafruit learning system. You can go to adafruit.com to check out all the stuff that we have in stock and purchase what suits your fancy. Um, Lastly, uh, as always, uh, these are just a preview of the Adafruit Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. Um, If you want to subscribe to the newsletter, you can go to adafruitdaily.com. Um, if you've created some awesome uh, Circuit e projects, or micropython e projects, or regular Pythony projects that you, you think should be highlighted in the newsletter, uh, as Anne says in the chat, you can send the news, uh, you can mention her on at at Anne Engineer, which is A N N E underscore Engineer, um, or create a poll request directly on the repository, uh, which is ad- GitHub.com/slash Adafruit/slash CircuitPython python-weekly-newsletter. And in the notes, I also have a link to this week's draft. And that's it for community news. Next up, uh, and thank you, Anne, as always, for putting the newsletter together. Uh, Next up, we have the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blinka. As I said earlier, this is an objective kind of statistics view of the health of the project uh, meant to ground us in... uh, like, the the realities of the project, I, I, I guess I would say. Um, so if you have ideas on metrics that we should be tracking here that we don't currently, we're always open to adding those. But these are kind of the ones that we've decided uh, characterize what, what we care about most uh, in terms of numbers. So uh, overall, we had um, 25 pull requests merged from 15 different authors. Um, some new names on here that uh, that maybe we haven't had very much are uh, Ask Patrick W, SP Cool, Tawes, MD Roberts Twelve Forty Three, A Y Swallow, Kevin AJ, uh, and Woolsey J are are relatively new names to me. We had nine reviewers, so thank you to all of our of our reviewers. We really appreciate reviews. Uh, the more reviewers we have, the more uh, authors we can have, which is awesome. Uh, Issues-wise, we had 17 closed issues by 9 people and 12 opened by 12 people. So uh, we're down 5, which is good, uh, and keeping pace with... uh, Typically, uh, as people come into the community, they create more issues than they close, so uh, this is kind of a metric to see how well we're keeping up with that influx of of new folks. And we're doing a good job. So overall, um, I think the computers... the community is continuing to gather a bunch of people. Uh, CircuitPython core, uh, 6.0 stable. We released beta 0, and we're going to do a beta 1 pretty quickly here. Uh, getting lots of people testing it, so that's really good news. Um, Katney's back for libraries, so we'll kick it over to her in a second. and we'll, And Melissa, I think, is around as well, so we'll hear from them on the other two things. But first up, uh, let me go into a little bit more detail about the core. Uh, we had six pull requests merged from five different authors. Uh, Tawes and and W are new uh, to the core as well. Uh, we have 17 open pull requests, which is kind of a lot. Um, and the oldest is 103 days old, which is not the end of the world, uh, but something we should take a look at. Um, and we had four reviewers, I should have said, as well. Uh, Issues-wise, we had five closed issues by two people and four open by four people, so we're net down one as well. We're keeping on top of things for a total of three hundred and twenty-seven open issues. You can go to GitHub.com/Adafruit/CircuitPython/issues if you want to see all those. Um, one metric we have to also to to see how well we're keeping track of issues is that uh, we categorize them uh, using the milestones feature of of GitHub. It's a way for us to kind of triage it, decide how urgent it is. Uh, Lots of stuff is like, oh, that would be cool, but we're not going to do it soon. So it goes in this long-term bucket, uh, which has 288 open issues. Uh, The remainder are uh, either support or libraries or uh, more specific 6.0 things. Uh, And we only have one issue that's not assigned a milestone. So we're pretty up to date in terms of doing uh, issue triage. And with that, uh, I'm gonna kick it over to Katni for the library update.
1: Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is uh, information about all of the CircuitPython libraries. So everything that's Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore library name is uh, pulled into this set of data. So we had 19 pull requests merged by 13 authors. Uh, A number of the new names you mentioned uh, before are on this list as well. And eight reviewers. So thank you to everybody who was involved with that. Um, the more uh, reviewers we have, the more authors we can support. Um, and it's really good to see new names. Uh, I'm always really excited to see that. So in terms of um, PRs merge, the oldest one was 114 days. We had two that were just under a month, which is excellent, that we're managing to get through some of the um, older PRs. And uh, a lot of them were very recent, which is also excellent. Uh, leaving us with... 26 open pull requests, which is actually really good. Um, We're managing to get that number further under control and the oldest one is currently being worked on, uh, is in actively right now. Um, So that's excellent to see as well. Uh, The original author um, continued to push through that, so we uh, agreed to work with them on that. Um, We had 12 closed issues by eight people and eight opened by eight people, so we're net down, which is excellent, leaving us with 196 open issues. Um, of all of those, there are eight labeled good first issue. If you are interested in any of this, or you're interested in contributing to Circuit Python, um, you can check out all of this information at circuitpython.org/contributing. Um, you'll find a list of open pull requests, open issues, and library infrastructure issues, and uh, all of that is a, a great place to get started. Um, if you you can go to the issue page and you can search it by um, by label, and you can search for good first issue if that is your level. If you're looking for something a little more complicated, consider enhancement or bug. Um, And we are always available to help you. Do not let being unfamiliar with Git or GitHub stop you from contributing to this project. We have a guide on working with both of those to contribute to CircuitPython, and we are also always available to help. We want to see you uh, be able to do what you want to do, and we're absolutely happy to help you learn. Um, So in terms of library updates, in the last seven days, we had one new library, the BNO08X library, and a number of updated libraries, which I will not read off. And that's where we are with the libraries.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Next up, let's hear from maker Melissa about Blinka.
2: Hello. Hello. I wanted to... Blinka is our um, CircuitPython Compatibility Layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board. This uh, past week we had zero pull requests merged by zero others. There are currently two open pull requests. And uh, there were zero closed issues by zero people and zero open by zero people. Uh, leaving a net of 25 open issues. There have been one thousand eight hundred and sixty PyPI downloads in the last week, and we currently are supporting fifty-two boards. That's it. Awesome,
0: thank you, Melissa. Okay, and that is it for the state of CircuitPython, Blinka, and the libraries. Um, next up is HuggerPorts, uh, but first, I do HuggerPorts. I just want to give some context. Uh, so let me skip to Dan's status update. Um, so uh, bef- I'm, I'm going to read Dan's status update early just because uh, it's going need it's helpful context for hunger reports. So let me, I'll just put a time code in here. Uh, so Dan said uh, the week before 921 uh, did draft release notes and mostly merges for beta0 release. Started a guide on the HCI underscore BLEIO on Windows, Mac, Linux, and RPI. But then on 9/21, his first full day of vacation, he had a bicycle accident on a rail trail. He broke his hip and elbow. On 9/22, which was Tuesday of last week, uh, he had surgery for his hip. He's now at a fantastic rehab hospital, recovering very well and getting great therapy. Uh, he, he will be doing some work as situations permit. Um, he has some therapies overlap. Well, therapies overlap with the meeting today. That's why he's not here. Um, and drumming up interest in CircuitPython for the assisted tech community in the hospital where he is So he was actually in the meeting that we had uh, just before this one He looks really good uh, But I think some of us are going to, re- some folks will refer to that in Hug Report So I just wanted to, to not dance around what had happened to Dan before we get there uh, So you'll see Dan off and on uh, he's, he's working when he has a chance to, to stay sane um, so, heads up with that. Okay, let's go to Hug Reports. Uh, let me actually redo the time code here. So, Hug Reports is a chance for us to s- give a shout out uh, and thanks folks for, for the work that they've been doing uh, in and outside of the CircuitPython community. A really good way to both reinforce the things that we value and also just be thankful and help and, and thank people for the work they're doing. This is done as a round robin, so I will I will start and go through the list of the folks in the voice channel intermingled with the, the notes that we have in the notes doc. Um, if you are in the voice channel and uh, don't want to speak, please let us know you're lurking so that we can skip right over you uh, without having to be like, are you there? Or are you not there? Um, and if you're unable to make the meeting or don't want to s- speak, uh, please feel free to drop notes in, in the doc and I'm happy to read them off for you. Uh, so with that, uh, let me take a time code for myself and read stuff off. So thanks to Jeff and Sedacious for all the work on the CAN API. Excited to see that. Uh, thank you to Andy Roberts for adding support for the 128x64 OLED. Uh, thank you to Dave P for fixing the spy issues on the NRF that were introduced with doing the uh, turning the QSPY off and finding an errata that, <laughs> that seemed to... Uh, make the spy and the SPY related, even though we didn't think they should have been. Uh, and then lastly, a hug report to C. Walter for making a PR to support changing the next file to run. Uh, Dischipu and Robert Gallup have also been helping test and brainstorm what that API should exactly be. So thanks to all those folks. Um, next, we have some lurkers. Lurkers, lurkers, lurkers. Uh, so we're going to... Uh, notes from Dan, uh, 20 minutes, Dan says, hug report to myself, um, for finishing the 60 beta zero release while I started our vacation. Uh, Dave P is lurking. And then we have, uh, notes from David Gloud, who I thought was in here, but looks like is not in the meeting right now. So I'll read those off. Um. David says hug report to Dan H and Tan Newt for the beta 0 release. Hug report to Dan for the BLE work with Nina, and hug report to maker Melissa for the matrix work. Next up we have Foamy guy.
3: Right. Uh, hello there. Hello. Uh, this week I've obviously, uh, you know, well wishes to Dan and uh, hope, you know, the best for recovery. That's a, a, obviously a really rough situation, so uh, well wishes there and hopes for a good recovery. Um, to uh, Kmatch98, uh, made an example uh, over the weekend or late last week, I forget exactly when it was, but it was a example script that uh, kind of positions some buttons into a nice grid for you and lets you declare how many um, cells like tall and wide you want each one to go and then kind of does all the math for you to, to plunk them all down on the screen. So that was really cool. And then lastly, uh, just thanks to you, Scott, um, for you know all the great deep dives, I'm usually... A little bit behind. I can't normally catch them uh, live, and I just made it through the one you did recently about Display.io and the project structure um, of the core project, and I learned a ton from that. So, uh, really appreciate all the great content in those.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Foamy Guy. All right, next up we have Higher Effect. I can see your green, but I can't hear you. Can't need a, okay, he's going to try again. Can you hear me now? Yes. Is that better?
4: Yep. All right, a weird microphone. Um. Yeah, I, again, best wishes to Dan. I had heard about that. I, I hope he has a swift recovery. Uh, feels better soon. Funny to hear that he's plugging Circle Python to other folks in the hospital. Um, uh, and then, yeah, beyond that, just a, a group hug uh, and with some special thanks to Jeff for helping me figure out an ADC thing in the ESP32 S2 port this morning. So
0: yeah. Awesome. Thanks, HireFact. All right. Uh, Next up we have Jeff.
5: A hug first and foremost to Katni, who had enough trust in us to leave her community in our hands for a couple of weeks. (laughs) We did fine, but we missed you. And Scott, thanks for the reviews. Looking forward to hashing out a couple of last details with you yet again. And a reminder, it needs to happen before we do beta 1, because it concerns the API. (laughs) Uh, hang in there, Dan, and thanks for sharing your status with us. It uh, makes me feel closer, um, and it means a lot. And a group hug to the community. Um, everyone in this community is keeping it active and working and vibrant, and I love it. So many good conversations that I had in this past week. Thank you all. I didn't go back and find everybody I should mention because it feels like a long list. And uh, Zoltan, it's happy. It's nice to see you in the meeting. Happy to see you. Hope you're doing well.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. All right, next up is Jerry.
6: Uh, hi, everyone. Um, so, yeah, first off, to, to Dan, uh, best wishes for speedy and full recovery. And just teaches you that vacations are dangerous things. <laughs> and uh, and uh, thanks to Paint Your Dragon for the uh, cool Matrix Porto demos. Fun with those this week. Um, and everybody for the 6.0 beta zero release. It has been be doing really well. And a group hug to everybody.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. All right, next up is Katni.
1: Hello. All right, so I have group hugged everyone, kept things going while I was out. It was amazing to be able to drop off the work grid for two weeks and know everything would be taken care of. Um, it really was. Uh, and I really did drop off the work grid for two weeks. So that was uh, excellent to be able to do and know that um, everything would be fine. Uh, Sending well wishes to Dan, but mostly hoping he manages to keep busy and not get bored out of his mind being stuck in the hospital. And it definitely sounds like he is with his boxes of boards and so on and so forth in the room with him. Um, And then I actually have, uh, despite being gone for two weeks, um, a couple CircuitPython related hug reports uh, to Slight for continuing with the TLC 59711 PR that they started nearly two years ago. Um, That's the one that I was referring to as uh, the oldest open library PR. Um, I Every time I do a PR sweep, I ping them and every time they're like, yeah, I wanna keep working on it, so we work with them. And um, they've gotten it really far. I think it's um, almost to a point of needing a re-review from those who were involved in the beginning. Um, so I will be tagging uh, CircuitPython librarians and possibly specifically Scott um, on that PR uh, soon, I hope. And thanks to Foamy Guy for helping with that PR. Um, the one thing that would have been bad is that I kept pinging this person. And then of course they popped up right as I left for vacation. And so I didn't know that they had started to work on it and they ran into issues. Um, and uh, Tim ended up working through a ton of issues with them, um, getting the CI passing, getting you know, things working, um, that sort of thing. And I would have felt bad if I was like, hey, you keep working on this. And then just you know, the, finally they have two weeks to work on it and I'm not around. Um, so, that was really great to see to come back and see that that had actually gotten progress um, thanks to uh, Foamy Guy helping out. So, those are my hug reports. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right, next up
0: is Kmatch98.
7: Okay, thanks. Uh, first a hug is for Scott. Thank you for the deep dive on Display.io. It seems like the Marianas Trench of uh, topics, <laughs> and uh, he went way down there. So, I appreciate that. And I learned a heck of a lot in the process. So, um, thanks to Foamy Guy. Thank you for the the back and forth on touch and buttons, particularly how to make things easy for new users and hide things behind the scenes and options for that. Uh, Hope more will come of that soon. Uh, And then last, TG Techie. You've been posting a lot of cool things on your Twitter feed and on the Discord. So uh, I enjoy watching those on your smartwatch. So those are my hugs for this week.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Kmatch. Next up, we have Maker Melissa.
1: Hello, oh,
2: I wanted to give a hug report to our family Guy for reviewing and testing my slideshow PR. I have a report to Dan, uh, hoping he feels better soon, and hug to everyone. Awesome, thanks,
0: Melissa. All right, Mark Gambler and MD Roberts are lurking, so let's go to MicroDev.
8: Hello, everyone. This is my first time speaking in the CircuitPython meeting, and I would like to start by giving a big group hug to the community for being so welcoming and for providing such an awesome collaborative experience. It's been great. Hmm. Moving on, I have a hug report for Tenute Scott for all the Deep Sleep API discussions that we have been having, and a hug report for Jeff for suggesting a fix for the make translate script, and that's it. And also uh, to Dan get well soon.
0: Awesome, yeah. thanks, Micronev, and glad to hear your voice in the meeting. Okay, and that's it for Huggerports. Uh, thank you all for that. That was awesome. Uh, next up, we have status updates. This is done also as a round robin. Um, I didn't write any notes for myself, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, the same rules apply. Uh, I will start, and we'll go down the list. If you're lurking, just let us know, and we'll skip over you. If you have text uh, or if you have notes, uh, you'd like read off because either you're not here, or you don't want to, sp- don't want to, or can't speak. Uh, drop those in the notes. I'm happy to read them off. Uh, uh, let's get going. I think we got that down. So I, <laughs> me, I'm scrolling down to my notes, and I I didn't I didn't write notes. So um, let's see. I was working on UF2 support for the ESP32S2. I have a pull request out for adding UF2 builds to CircuitPython, and I also have a pull request out to the UF2 ESP32S. To repo uh, so that uh, we can like release versions of the bootloader as well. Um, and then I'm going to write a one page guide for how to use it, how to get it installed, and how to add new boards to it. And once I'm done with that, that's kind of like the bare minimum for UF2 for the ESP32S2. Um, after that, I've been doing some pretty major review support for the uh, deep sleep api the api for changing the next code.py to run and maybe jerry actually i know you're gone most of this week but maybe uh if you have a chance to look at that today because i know that you like to do the like import this other thing sort of process rather than using code.py maybe you should take a look at that and give feedback maybe that would help you as well um and then I think what I'm going to do is is uh, take a look at the deep sleep API stuff and and microdev will talk a little bit. Uh, but I, I have some cycles. I might actually be able to do the Python side for you. So um, let's see if that is uh, the way that we want to split that up. Um, I also want to do a beta one. Uh, I think there's actually been a lot of stuff coming in, especially we just updated tinyUSB. Um, and we had some new board updates. So I actually want to kind of start to turn the crank of like, let's get all the PRs in for, we want for beta one. Like the, I know Jeff has the can API changes to make. Um, but let's like shoot to have uh, beta one out by the end of the week. Let's, I'd like us to be more aggressive, uh, and getting like beta releases or even release candidate releases out every two weeks, um, and getting our cadence up. So, um, because we should get to stable 6.0. <laughs> like, if what we're doing is recommending people using the beta releases, the beta releases should really be stable. So um, let's work on that, uh, and maybe I'll, I'll do some bug hunting this week to to move that forward as well. Okay, that's me rambling. Uh, let's go to somebody else who's actually prepared. Uh Next up was Dan, but I already read that stuff off. So I'm going to skip Dan and go to David's notes. Um, let me take a time code. So David's notes say, David Glad says, uh, updating my Pi Portal to beta zero and attempting to run BLE on the built in airlift. Uh, failure because the underscore BLE IO is not built into Pi Portal and maybe not the right Nina firmware. Um, yeah, I can say that the Nina firmware with Beely IO support is, is not working right now. So you can't build it. Um, Lamora is aware of it. She, she did it originally, but hasn't had the cycles to get back to that. So, uh, for now you just have to use the, the binary build, unfortunately, uh, going back to David, he says, uh, working on a QR clock on matrix, but right now I only have this, which is a Twitter link that hopefully somebody will paste in the channel. Uh, analysis of the various matrix projects to see what can run on my 64 by 64 without the airlift is a github gist and then for non-circuit python there's a streaming uh, color maximite 2 with the pykvm streaming component there as well and next up is foamyguy
3: all right, uh, let me get back to my notes here. OK, uh, for last week, I did a little bit of tinkering with Display.io, um, in particular, trying to refactor that grid layout example that Kmatch made into a, a class that will let you um, add. Uh, right now, it supports the buttons, but I think we can get it working for the rest of the Display.io um, quote unquote widgets like the image and all the rest of them label as well at some point. So that was one of them. Uh, The other main thing I did last week was uh, I got the stuff I need to set up the RGB matrixes. So I didn't have a matrix yet uh, or any of that stuff. I got that in from uh, my Adafruit order last week and I got all the way set up um, to start displaying on that matrix. Uh, So that was really fun. Spent the exact right amount of time uh, gawking mindlessly at the the pretty lights after I got it up and running for sure. Um, For next week, uh, I need to push some of the code for the multitasking guide up to GitHub, and then uh, put the finishing touches, give it once more over on that guide, and I'm aiming to uh, wrap it up and turn it in this week. And then uh, for this week, uh, outside of CircuitPython, uh, I got classes starting up in the evening, so I won't be around as much on the Discord uh, for a little while. And then um, the other thing I wanted to mention is I kind of, over this past weekend, a bit of a crash course on uh, QMK, which is a custom keyboard firmware. Um, so, and if anybody has any experience with QMK, especially setting up custom matrices, uh, I would love a chance to chat with somebody about that and perhaps pick your brain. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's my update for this week.
0: Awesome, thank you, foamy guy. All right, next up is HiraFact. All
4: right, can you hear me this time?
0: Yep. All
4: right, cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, last week, uh, I mostly worked on, uh, implementing the ADC on the ESP 32 S2, uh, reading the documentation and, uh, calibration details of that. Um, though I did spend uh, a good amount of time on a project on my own, which ended up taking longer than I thought it was gonna, as always, uh, which is a tiny CircuitPython Python capable STM 32 board called the Rook. Um, I'm, I've been doing board layout for a while, and I'm still pretty bad at it. So uh, that's that's ended up being a little bit more of a shore than I thought it was going to be, um, but yeah. Uh, I also started uh, updating the ESP32 uh, IDF, uh, which uh, is the software framework behind the ESP32, um, which was holding back some stuff in the ADC. So both the ADC and the ESP32 IDF update should be in today. Um, this week, I'm going to, beyond wrapping up, uh, the ADC out, which uh, should be coming up today, or uh, ADC in, sorry, read, ADC reads, analog reads. Um, I'm going to be submitting the uh, DAC, implementing the, the digital analog converter, so uh, ha- having analog out as well. Um, and then uh, after that, as per uh, my discussion with Scott, I'll probably be checking out Touch.io on the ESP32 series. Um, and... Uh, as a part of getting familiar with that, maybe thinking about implementing that on the STM32 as well. Um, Though I do need to check whether I need any parts for that because I'm not sure if I need extra hardware beyond what I have. Um, And then uh, just kind of for fun beyond that, we also talked a little bit about uh, possible crypto and camera modules after a meeting last week. Um, Though those aren't high priority, it would be kind of interesting to know what an API for those two types of Uh, modules might look like, so I might take a quick look at that uh, between other things. Um, And checking out, uh, we were talking a little bit about port, uh, independent port documentation. Um, STM32F4 series families chips are now being marked as stable in our releases, Uh, but I think there's probably still some stuff that we could do to talk about what modules are enabled uh, port by port in CircuitPython, so I might take a look at some of the tooling for that um and i want to review MicroDev's uh, deep sleep api because that's something that i've been thinking about uh for the stm32 a lot uh, or for a long time because some of my friends actually or uh, some of my uh, development partners in my local makerspace are doing deep sleep stuff and uh, it might be useful to them so that's an interesting feature for me so thank you uh the belated non-hug reports thank you to MicroDev. that's really cool um for fun this week, I'm going to be getting certified on the laser cutter in my local makerspace uh, because I want to make a Circo- python powered box to lock up my devices for a set amount of time so I can actually get good at having screenless time on the weekends. Um, <laughs> and hopefully I'll also get this little Cirque python board wrapped up and get some orders in from JLCPCB. So that's my week. Awesome. Can I ask a
6: quick, quick question? Is Jerry. Sure. Um. This relates to changes to the uh, ESP32 as to um, ESP IDF. When anyone, when there is an update to the IDF, is it necessary or a good idea to reinstall the whole the the IDF, or does that is just doing a pull fix everything?
4: Uh, in this particular case, I think you might want to do a reinstall because we're actually changing it from uh, Scott actually originally forked the project um, because there were. Of incompatible build issues, um, but we found a way around those, uh, and so we're actually switching from Scott's private fork of the ESP IDF to the I- ESP IDF mainline uh, master branch. So, uh, in this in this case, I did a install. I I, I can't say that I've like tested it thoroughly. We're like not installing like what were the what would be the bugs that turn up with that, but I think that okay. This is probably a big enough change that you want. I just wasn't sure.
6: You know, typically when I see an update to the IDF, I just reinstall. But I wasn't sure if that was necessary or not. But
4: uh, yeah, it I mean, might not. I mean, it I mean, it I mean, might not be after we're done. Like after we, um, yeah, after after you have after you're on the new IDF from Espressif, like I don't know if you're going to need to reinstall every time the submodule updates. But in this particular case, we're actually not updating the sub module. We are changing the submodule. So I would say you probably want to reinstall.
6: Thanks.
0: Yeah, I think I think generally it's uh, like their tool chain doesn't change that often, so I don't think the install changes, but once in a while they'll change like Python dependencies and that's when you kind of need, because like, they have like an IDF for virtual environment that needs to be set up. Um, and as Jeff points out also, you'll want to do Git Submodule Sync once we switch away from my copy of the IDF to the ESP, the Espresso version. You'll need to do Git Submodule Sync uh, for that. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I'll
4: I'll add some notes in my PR too, just so that's easy for people.
0: Awesome, thanks, thanks, thanks for taking that on. Yeah,
4: well, I I wanted the the ESP32 2 ADC is not super accurate without it, so I, I do want to make sure we get those calibration changes in.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just it was expedient for me at the time to just fork it and fix the compile errors, but yeah, we. No, totally, I get it. Okay, uh, Jason's lurking, so we're going to Jeff.
5: All right. Well, I'm glad that Harefact uh, talked to you because I think I may have given him some uh, some slightly different information than that. But it sounds like with uh, info from Scott, you're on top of that. So thank you. Uh, anyway, last week I got the basic can uh, pull request merged, and that supports the Sam E5x. And I tested that what Sedacious has been working on with a spy breakout called MCP2515 that those two operate interoperate on the can bus and i tested that i consume my car's can bus but i don't understand any of it i added a uh, set of files to support the cutie pie Hack express which is what you get if you populate the spot for a flash chip on the bottom of a cutie pie and what's really exciting is that enables the addition of underscore pixel buff and long integers and I have chased a problem I'm seeing on my calculator project, which has got a feather NRF, a sharp memory display and a pretty big program, but I didn't resolve it yet. Uh, Eventually, when you reload the code a lot of times, it will lock up and the backtrace doesn't make sense. So if anybody's seen something like this, there is an issue that you could add your info on, and I'm sure we'll find it eventually. This week, I'm continuing to work on CAN. I've got some API improvements that came out of chats with Sedacious, And I'm also working on the low-level part for STM32, so that you'll be able to add a CAN transceiver chip or breakout and interface that board with a CAN bus as well. And I'm trying to figure out what my first Cutie Pie project will be. And I'm picking up stuff like reviews and just helping people out on Discord uh, a lot. And that's always fun. But anyway,
0: yeah, keep them busy. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Next up is Jerry.
6: Yeah. Hello. Let's see. So I uh, found and fixed a little issue with the edit for Frams. I got, had one of the, uh, the four gigabit, four megabit um, breakout boards and tried it and it didn't work at all. So it turns out that the library just needed a, a little tweak to handle larger addresses. So that's, that's been updated. And I've um, been doing a lot more testing of the all the work that 2Bindy5, uh, uh, Brandon's been doing on the um, NRF24. Well, one libraries. He now has some, some BLE functions in there. So that's been fun to play with. And I uh, did run across an issue for any since getting ready for Halloween and pulled out my monster mask, dusted it off, and went to update it, and lo and behold, it didn't work. And found out that there's been a little API change or a little change, not API change, but just a change in the Arduino JSON library that's been updated. So if you have one, there is a fix-in now. I don't know if it's been released yet, it's been merged that just adds a line in to enable comments in the JSON files. Turns out they changed something that they used the default is to not not allow comments or not not handle them properly, so it would error out. So if anyone's playing with the Monster Masks, I'll look for an update to the uh, M4Eyes project if you're using that.
0: Awesome. Thanks for the heads up, Jerry, yep. and for figuring it out. Next up is Katni.
1: Hello. So for the last two weeks, I've been out, um, played a lot of Animal Crossing, uh, went hiking. My legs and arms now look like I have chicken pox from mosquitoes. Oh, no. Um, but it was beautiful. And uh, we went to, we hiked out to see some falls and then decided we would hike further up the trail to see uh, what there was, um, because, uh, while my partner had been to the falls before, he'd never gone further up the trail. And it turns out it's basically straight up a mountainside. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: and there's a lookout up there. We got there. (laughs) We have photo proof. We're never going to do it again. Um, super sore. Uh, it was like climbing up rocks and, and, uh, it was a path, but, you know, very, um, very unexpected, I guess we, we didn't think that it would go straight up. (laughs) Um, And then uh, ended it by going to the um, downtown uh, farmer's market and Italian market and getting deliciousness um, for our uh, Sunday night dinner. And uh, that was pretty much my vacation. Um, So this week is getting caught up. uh, And then I will be doing the Cutie Pie guide, which will be the product guide. Um, So uh, despite the fact that so many people already have cutie pies and have already figured everything out that there is to know about it and are already doing projects with it. Um, for those who need a guide, it will be out soon. Um, pinouts, downloads, you know, CAD files, all that fun stuff, um, will be available, uh, fairly soon. So that's, uh, pretty much all I'm up to. If, um, you sent me anything and I missed it, uh, please ping me because I, as far as I know, am caught up on all my messages. <laughs> So if you don't hear from me um, on via uh, email or Discord or whatever, um, feel free to ping me again, uh, GitHub as well, um, and uh, let me know if there's if there's anything that I left, um, you know, when I when I left for vacation, if I if I left it up in the air or whatever, uh, definitely feel free to ping me. Is my point. I will not be offended if it's something I already thought of. And that's what I've got.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Katni glad you uh, had a really good vacation it's as always uh, folks please take time when you need it it's very very helpful and both for you and for your contributions to this project to be refreshed and not overtaxed and overburdened so please take time off if you ever feel that uh, that you need it um, okay next up is k match 98
7: Okay, thanks. So I've been working to understand more of the capabilities for touch uh, and display response. So most of my things are related to that. So this past week, um, as Fomi guy mentioned, made a way to try and simplify arranging display elements on a display, particular buttons. But as I said, we can probably generalize that to other widgets and, and uh, displays. Um I've also been trying to simplify or give some options on the display button library to make it simpler to use, particularly not crashing if the text doesn't fit in a button Mm -hmm. uh, and a few other odds and ends there. I hope to submit a pull request this week or next week once that settles out. Um, Also looking at Foamy Guys code for some different touch elements and learning what I can from those and how, particularly how the group group, uh, uh, sort of hierarchy uh, could work with, with things like that. And on a related note to, to the group trees, which most of the display elements are made of, uh, there's an open issue to uh, try and understand which display elements should respond to a touch. And uh, so it's kind of a tree exploration through a bunch of groups and figure out how that might look. So I hope to get a, at least a start at that one. And then the last uh, on my fun stuff, which is uh, somewhat related to the, the uh, other things, is I uh, came up with a big enough excuse to buy a ESP32S2 board, so I placed an order for that along with a capacitive touch display and want to see how those two will work together. Okay, thanks.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Kmatch. All right, next up is Maker Melissa.
2: Hello. Last week I, fin- I worked on finishing converting the PyTFT installer script uh, to Python. Uh, it was written in uh, bash shell um, and I added some command line arguments to it so so now you can completely automate everything. Uh, I updated the slideshow library and added image alignment. I wrote a matrix portal slideshow demo that made use of the alignment. I wrote a matrix portal guide that's live now. I updated CircuitPython.org with some new boards, and I fixed a bug in the Web Serial 3D model visualizer uh, web app for the BNO-055. This week I'm going to write another matrix portal demo for Jug Park, test out uh, Spy and TFT on the Jetson, update uh, the machine learning guide with the BrainCraft hat, possibly um uh, moving some functionality around in the matrix portal library without breaking anything and possibly taking a look at the unimaging library text sharp memory display slow to see issues That's it.
0: awesome thanks melissa okay mark Ambler and md roberts are out so let's go to microdev
8: uh, last week, so I made a draft PR for Deep Sleep API, and uh, the la- whole last week was gone into just uh, doing stuff with Deep Sleep. Uh, this week, I plan to finish Deep Sleep in- by Wednesday, and uh, also I'm working on updating the make translate script to include ESP32S2 port as well. Mm. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Mercadev. And that's it for status updates. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Glad to hear from you. Uh, Last section we have here is in the weeds, uh, which is a chance for us to just talk about any sort of thing that we wanted to talk about. Uh, Good for questions, good for discussions. Um, If you have topics for here, please drop them in the notes doc right now. Put your uh, handle or your name and tell us what what you're thinking uh, of wanting to talk about. We'll just hand it over to you when that happens. So uh, there's two topics in here right now uh, from Carter. So I'm going to hand it over to Carter.
9: Hello, mic check. I can hear you. Excellent. Not chipmunks. Um, It's actually just one topic. And uh, the other link is just to the issue thread where it kind of originated Mm -hmm. uh, just for reference. But I'll copy and paste examples here in the chat, which will show it also. So the issue is with... um, use of class level, use of const. Mm -hmm. But here's the first example, which is how the library uh, that the issue thread lives in is currently doing something. And if you look at that, you would go, that's syntactically not really how you should in the print statement, access that class level variable. You should prefix it with the class name or self or something like that. Yet it ends up working just fine in Python, as you can see in the little test below. So, And then the next thing is like, OK, well, what if I do it as it should be done, like that? So this is the only thing that's been done is to add foo dot in front of the print statement. And that doesn't work. So how could you get it to work? And you can by simply just not using const. So if you do that, and then this is basically just some var is not const, and then you can use that to expect and that does work. And this creates an issue with Blinka because the first example, which works in CircuitPython doesn't work in Blinka land. And that's what people are running into. So kind of the question here is what's, what's the best approach for class level const like things, use of this MicroPython const and having things work in libraries for both CircuitPython and Blinka.
0: So const is a microPython hack, right? Like Python doesn't actually have the notion of const, um, and usually it's okay that we have it for Blinka because the the Blinka version of const will just return the same value and it just works. Now I think what mm-hmm. you're what you're hitting here is like. The implementation of const in, that we inherited from MicroPython just doesn't work quite correctly, where you have this like weird way of of uh, like accessing that variable. So I think I can think of two ways to do it. One, just remove const um, and leave it as a class thing. But if it's private, you could also just move it to the top level of the module uh, and leave the const. Um, Yeah. So I, I I guess I I wonder why why are those variables why are those constants in the class to begin with? Um, it seems to yeah, me that they could just uh, live outside of it and just be fine.
9: That I'm not hundred percent sure on since you know I didn't really write the library, but it, right. it it looks like it's kind of it's kind of an okay thing to do. Because they kind of relate to the class, you know, I guess my little example really doesn't really by just calling it some generic sumbar, it doesn't really make sense. And I guess in the real library, in the context of that, it might make more sense because you know that it's, it's kind of something that's associated with the class and not really truly like some kind of global const. Right. Is is it so? Let me ask you this: Is there a huge motivation? Is is the savings that is obtained with use of const substantial enough that there's motivation to try to keep using const in some format?
0: So what the thing that const saves you is basically the name of the variable. So like it it works kind of. I think of it as kind of like inlining is how it works, right? So if you if you mark it as const, MicroPython and it start so if it's at the top level, it starts, the name starts with an underscore and, uh, and it's the right-hand side is const. What will happen is that like it gets it, its value gets copied in the places that it's used. Uh, and then, and the name goes away, um, which is right. why so you got sp- like a,
9: almost got like a pound to find.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that's why you see it used in these cases where like a driver has like lots and lots of like numbers that don't mean anything unless you give them a name. Um, so yeah, that that that's a micropython specific thing um, that applies uh, on those things. Um, and and Zoltan's pasted it in.
6: One of the nice things about const, too, is, that, is if you over-define, say you have a you know, a data sheet that has tons and tons of register names, you can define them all with const, and as long as you don't use them, they don't cost anything.
0: Is that correct? I believe so.
6: Right. That's, that's I think that's commonly been done in a lot of the libraries. They're peppered with all these definitions that may or may not be used just in case somebody may ever want to use them.
0: Right. But I think that's also only, does that only apply if it's MP-wide or something? like? I don't know. In the long term, I'd like to get away from it because, in the long term, we have enough RAM and flash that it's okay that we have those things.
9: Uh... Okay, and I—I I, I guess I'm really—I don't consider myself like kind of experienced enough in all these nuances to really advocate one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But I guess I kind of would. I—I prefer to go that direction myself, simply because this. Is kind of a microPython specific hack. So that kind of who knows what future CircuitPython library, Blinka library kind of oddnesses will run into to continue using it.
4: I mean, I don't I don't know. I, I think that like the the argument that that lets you have like these huge tables of register definitions, you know, that's definitely like kind of like an embedded only thing that you have to to deal with but um i could definitely think of devices that have really really big tables where that could be problematic for a samd 21 or or you know other upcoming low kind of low power boards here so i i i don't know i would be less confident saying like uh, that we could we could just get rid of it all together because um having those big tables of registers is definitely something that like a lot of people have done, a lot of people are going to keep doing. It's it's a, definitely a staple of embedded library development.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think people are taking... In the long, long term, like 10 years from now, I'd love to get rid of const. But like, we can't... As long as we're supporting the SAMD 21, we can't. Um, and, you know, that I feel the same way about MPY files, right? Like, when we have when we have enough resources and we don't need to support the really small boards, like there's no reason to have MPY files. Um, it's just obscure it, obscurity for like memory savings at load time. Um, so uh, for, for this specific case, case Carter, I think the best thing is just to move them outside the class. Okay.
6: Yeah.
9: Or if for some reason there's was like, truly a reason that class level is important, just get rid of const. Yep. And I guess and I guess that's also kind of the, the short answer here. If like if you if for some reason you really have a need for some kind of class level quote unquote constant, you can't use the microPython const hack. It's truly only like I think and Dashipu said it up there really only for truly global things anyway.
0: Right. Global things that nobody needs to reference right like that's why there's a condition on what the name of the variable is as well right because in in real python right like variables are never fixed right there's no such thing as like a read-only variable because it's just names that point to values and so the idea that like when you import this python script that the name actually goes away is like totally not actually python but it's done in a way that, like, you can make it work in Python by just, you know, passing the return, like having const return the same value. Um, and in fact, like something that that early on I did with Circuit Python was I actually tried to require that from microPython import const because in er, early on, like, you don't actually need it. Like const will work if you don't do that import, but then it gives you no way to for Blinka to actually like make sense of it. Um, so yeah, const is more confusing. It it causes a lot of con- confusion, which makes me not like it as well. But it it solves it, yeah. this problem. It solves this problem of making things smaller.
9: So maybe we should also um capture these thoughts and guidance in general and put it in the design guide like have a little section like use of MicroPython const and kind of mm-hmm. just have a quick little write up on this guidance.
0: Yeah. Do you want to do that?
9: <laughs> um sure, I'll take that on. And I can I can PR it and yeah. I am not 100% sure I'll get the uh you know the verbiage correct, but sure. we can chat about that in a pull request.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome.
9: Okay. Yeah, I'll work on that.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Carter. Yeah. No problem. I'm done. Thanks. Kay. Okay. Okay. Um, we Microdev also wanted to talk about the Deep Sleep API. Um, so I think we should actually do that here, because like we shouldn't have conversations after the meeting. Like that's it is what in the weeds is for. Um, so if anybody needs to drop out, that's the last thing we're going to talk about. Um,
8: it is the very specific idfn
0: uh, yeah that's that it fine happens. that's what it, that's exactly what in the weeds is for
8: okay so okay. so if you go on to the pull request uh, there are three things in the to do list okay basically i have got none of them to work okay yeah. So, um, I think uh, get wake up reason to work. I think I might have uh, I won't be able to do it because it is a lot of Python stuff.
0: Okay.
8: And the way uh, uh, IDF defines implementing custom wake stub, uh, I have tried uh, I have tried all the methods, but uh, just uh, uh, I'm a lo- I i can not get it to work. Okay, that's fine. And uh, also, I have just I, I tried just uh, loading the IDF example code, and that also is not working. <laughs> so I don't know. If, I don't know if it's uh, if it is our stuff or the IDF. Right. And lastly, uh, uh, like, uh, is there a function for uh, checking it? and anything of that sort?
0: sorry you broke up there can you say it again
8: is there a function for checking if USB is connected
0: yes there should be uh, I would look in supervisor/ serial.h I think is where it is
8: yeah the serial part uh, it only gets uh, uh, gives a positive result when serial console serial console is open ah okay yeah uh, so there were issues like dating back to 2018. When it was implemented, I went through those, but uh, uh, only when serial console is open, right? Then only we get it through as a result.
0: Right versus so, whether USB. I know yeah, there. I know yeah. that TinyUSB has callbacks for they call it mounted and unmounted. Um, but TinyUSB does have callbacks for telling us when it's plugged in and not.
8: I went through the tiny USB stuff, but uh, I don't have much experience with it. So mm-hmm. I, I might have missed it. Uh, Need some suggestions about that.
0: Yeah. So uh, the other thing is that, like, uh, I actually can, if you're not, I know that you're not, like, very comfortable in the Python side of things. Like, I can actually help you yeah. with that if you want to coordinate. Um, like, I could do the Python API side uh, for you.
8: So, I think I'll leave, leave the get uh, wake up reason to work to you. Okay. And uh, then maybe we can figure out how to get the wake wake stub and uh, the function for calling, for checking if USB is connected or not. Right, right. I- I'll be doing that. So, yeah.
0: Right. In supervisor share USB, USB.c, there might be something. Okay, that sounds like a plan. Um, so it sounds like you have code, but you just don't have the like, am I on USB or not? Call.
8: Yeah, yeah. So basically, we will just be checking about like uh, the deep sleep stuff will will be implemented in the common house, in the shared shared bindings for the microcontroller module. Right. Right. And uh, we ju- we will just have a condition for uh, ch- after the code finishes, then we can just check. If uh, we should enter light sleep or go into deep sleep, deep sleep depending on us disconnected, right. right? So, right. only uh, four lines of code in the main.c file. Okay. And that will do.
0: Awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, I can find that. That's something we don't need to dig around for during the meeting. Um, but yeah, it's super exciting. I really appreciate you working on deep sleep. Um, you know, this is like the first implementation of an API is always the hardest because it involves all of the API side discussion as well. Mm. Um, so I really appreciate you doing both of those things.
8: Also, I have a I a bunch of stuff which need to be figured out, like Python stubs and uh, uh, need to be figured out then error, error messages and also function naming like, uh, yeah. After we finish implementing all the things, uh, uh, let's look at API as a whole, and then uh, like uh, now as of now, alarm uh, uh, the IO alarm has different stuff for mm-hmm. in, in initialization, and the time alarm has different stuff. So we should right. also take a look at that. Yeah, and I maybe think... gen- generalize the all the things.
0: Right. I think later this week, let's um, either I can just make PRs to your branch. Um, or I can, or uh, I can help you with it.
8: You can just come I'll give you. Okay. I'll, I'll enable the contribution stuff. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I, th- I think that might be the fastest uh, is like if later this week I have some time, I can just, uh, go in and tweak it the way that, I, the way that I'm thinking. And then other folks yeah. can give feedback on that as well.
8: Uh, I ha- also have to upload the code.py example for if someone wants to okay cool Check. i didn't upload that because there, there were a lot of there were a lot of crashes mm-hmm. and the, then uh, someone might end up with a corrupted drive oh yeah so i didn't want that to happen yeah
0: yep well that's that's what you get for testing really new stuff yeah and that that leads to a good thing of like we should make sure we flush the file system
8: before we go to sleep. Yeah, there there are a bunch of things. Like we have to turn off all the status LEDs, new pixel and stuff. We don't want them to be on the whole time in the deep sleep.
0: Right, even if they're not displaying, we should disable power to them. I wonder Uh, if we want a board level, like turn everything off. uh,
8: Like uh, for being in
0: Sorry, you were breaking up again.
8: So I was saying uh, we do have a function for de initialization of the stuff. Okay. So basically, like uh, when when we start after doing uh, uh, deep sleep, it's basically a reset, anyways. So everything just gets in- initialized initialized again. Right. So we must just uh, like deinitialize everything before going to deep sleep. Okay.
0: That's good. Yeah. That makes sense. Awesome. Okay. Well, we, I think we have a plan, um, making some progress, which is good. Yeah. Um, so
8: that's it. Okay.
0: Great. I'll wrap it up. Thank you for, thank you for letting me, uh, pull you into the meeting with that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, this has been the circuit Python weekly meeting for September 28th, 2020. Thanks to everybody who joined. Uh, If you're listening to this after the fact and would like to join next week, I think we're on our normal schedule. uh, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Adafruit Discord server which you can join by going to adafru.it slash discord. This meeting was recorded and will be posted along with the notes up on YouTube. uh, The Adafruit YouTube, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. And uh, there is also a calendar that is linked to from the notes if you want to check out uh, what the schedule is. We do shift the meeting from time to time, usually when there's a U.S. holiday on Monday, um, so that because a lot of us who run it are in the U.S. Um, so subscribe to that calendar so you're always up to date on to, as to when we're running the meeting. Otherwise, we'd love to see you in the meeting. We'd love to see you on the Adafruit Discord server. Again, um, m- a number of us in this meeting are funded by Adafruit to work on TikTok python so please help them out by going to adafruit.com and, uh, <laughs> and purchasing some neat hardware from them. Uh, it goes back to open source software and hardware, which is really cool. And I think that's it. Um, thank you to everybody for joining, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, everyone.